What is going on, everyone? I hope you all having a great evening. Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. This is the real life segment. As always, we are live every Thursday. Today, I got two great uh, guests. We have Larry Hill, who just won the beta, native, no limit, native bass power hour. I don't know if I, those are all, that all those words are in the title. I don't know if I got them on the correct order, but Either ways, we got Larry here. We also have Marvin Forte, who was the tournament director. Um, this was the last event of the season. Um, and I know, you know, being a tournament director, I don't know personally because I've never been one, but I know it's got to be not an easy job and a job that, like I was talking to Marvin and Larry, when everybody mentions your name, something is wrong. <laughs> like, so, you know, I always want to, every time I get the chance to bring this either local or national tournament directors that does do such an amazing job to promote this uh, tournaments that we all have so much fun and there's so much money given out in prices. You know, it's every time I get the opportunity to have them on and congratulate them on their job and help them promote for next season and give them their dues, then definitely we'll do an effort for that. But anyways, review, uh, recap for this season, for this week, uh, today's November 2nd. It's actually my 10th year anniversary. Um, if you're wondering why am I doing a live podcast on my 10th year anniversary? Well, because we're going to celebrate it tomorrow and we just got back from Italy, which that's when we did our trip. It is also the anniversary of the Cubs breaking the curse in 2016, which is my favorite team. So both things kind of. The two happiest day of my life. I won't say what the order is because I don't want to get in trouble. But yes, the Cubs breaking the curse and getting married that same day. But we'll leave it at that. Also, congratulations to all those Texas Rangers. I know being here in Texas and, you know, this me being home now, I know I have a lot of Texas Rangers fans listening to the podcast or watching on the live stream. Congratulations. I was um, really touched by some of the videos I see on Instagram of uh you know, young adults recording their older parents crying when they see the Texas Rangers win the World Series. That last hour reminded me when 2016, when the Cubs won, you'll see all those videos, this long time Cubbies fan that have suffered through 108 years, you know, some of them coming down to tears. I'll be honest with you. I, every year, November 2nd, I watched uh, uh, the highlights of that and I still shed a tear. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I grew up watching the Cubs, WGN. Um, so I was super excited when they won the World Series. But again, this is this year's Texas Rangers. Congratulations to the Rangers and all their fans. Tomorrow, the parade is going to be right here next to where I live. So that's going to be crazy. Uh, long time. So anyways, if you're watching on the live, feel free to uh, comment. Let, if you have any questions for Larry Hill, won the tournament, or Marvin Forte regarding the native No Limit Bass Power Hour, Feel free to throw in your questions. We'll do our best to get him on. Uh, we're going to start with Marvin Forte because we're going to talk a little bit about the tournament. And Marvin um, and I both agree. Then we'll you know we'll close it off with Larry, who's the star of the show. Obviously, he won the tournament. But without further ado, let's have Marvin come up. Marvin, congratulations on such an amazing season. Thanks, Armando. Great to see you. Great to be here. How do you feel with this uh, after completing this season? Uh, relieved. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really great season. We, we really, uh, feel, feel strong about it. You know, we started with five events last year, um, went to seven events this year and all of them were, were a success. Um, some highlights were California hitting 182 angles yes. at New Malonis Lake was huge. Um, and then some huge fish were the highlights too. We had a 23 inch smallmouth up here in Washington and Oregon. And a uh, couple of 24-inch largemouth, one in Texas, and one in California. So, damn, pretty pretty excited about all of that. Uh, you know, five of us started this last year um, using leveraging our local uh, or regional series that we run. Um, we're the directors for those five. And this year, we started looking at where we could expand, and Alabama and Texas kept coming up. So uh, we added Lake Gunnersville and Lake Fork this year. Uh, and 
they were both a, a big success. Both of those yeah. went over really well. Um, I went down and ran Lake Fork, um, and Vinnie Ferrari went down and ran ran Alabama. Uh, next year, we'll probably have people in, in the area that are going to be helping us run the events there. It It's really exciting to see the success, especially what you have in California. We, we talked a little bit about it. Your format is very different. It's apple to oranges, comparing, you know, Bassmaster, Hobie BLS, KBF to what you're doing. But, you know, regardless, it is sort of a national trail, if we can call it that, even if you don't have AOI. Right. We saw it here in Texas. We had like, I think, five anglers from Colorado. And from what you're telling me, it's not that they lived in Colorado, moved to Texas. It's they drove from Colorado. Yeah. Uh, it was the closest this, one for them. You know, that was yeah. the closest event for those Colorado guys. So, yeah. So it is becoming somewhat of a national trail, meaning you're not just regionally. You're you're pulling 183 anglers in California, which national trails struggle to get 50. It, I mean, the total on Washington, the Pacific Northwest, doesn't jump out of the page until you consider that. And I mean, the Pacific Northwest, and I had you on my podcast when I was in Paddle and Finn three years ago, talking about, you know, how that has blossomed into a small mouth bass, you know, big events and, and, and a lot of small mouth bass fishermen, you know, in a place where traditionally it's like, I'm assuming I'm, and I've never been there, I've never fished there, but I'm assuming it's salmon, trout, and, but not really small mouth or large mouth bass fishing. Well, how are you yeah, able to own it? percentage of the, of the fishing community is, is more focused on salmon and, and steelhead. That's sort of where their focus is. Um, but the Columbia River in particular is a world-class smallmouth fishery. Um, you know, a 23-inch smallmouth is a huge yeah. smallmouth. I don't care where you where you go in the country. That's a giant smallmouth. Um, so, yeah, we, we've done really, really well up here. We don't have quite the population that some of the other areas do. You know, the southeast and northeast especially are a lot more densely populated than up here. Uh, so we have to cover a little more ground to do our series, but, um, but we're growing, you know, we're a little bit behind, but we're, we're catching up. I would say that those numbers are probably considering, like you say, the population and the bass fishing culture is still in its infancy in that area of the country. I would argue your attendance there is probably more impressive than anything else. Other maybe California. Like you expect a hundred plus anglers in Gunnersville and Texas. But sure. 83 anglers or so in Pacific Northwest, that's that's pretty impressive. So congratulations. You obviously not just you, right? The whole team. I know there's a lot of people to thank and I wish I could have them all here. Uh but you know it you've obviously gotten the trust of the community, bass fishing community nationwide. You made it into something that people really enjoy fishing. And I mean, the payouts are not the tenth of thousands of dollars sometimes we see in other tournaments, but it seems like its main attraction is the fun of it. Like it really feels like it's a very fun tournament to be a part of with. Do you think that's why it, it it's such a, a big attraction? Absolutely. That was our that was our goal when we sat down and, and hashed this idea out um, was to do this combination of $1,000 per hour for every big bass and every hour and then a no limit competition throughout the day. And so, yeah, we gave away over $9,000 to, to nine anglers plus, you know, other, other prizes and, and second and third place, of course, um, made money as well all the way down to eighth place we paid out. Um, but yeah, it's the, the fun aspect is exactly what we were going for. That's why we kind of made it an open. And with this, with this power hour thing, the, the big bass power hour, that really attracts the anglers who are maybe not as experienced or maybe aren't uh, common competitive tournament anglers because going up against some of these hammers that, uh, that fish tournaments all the time is, is kind of intimidating yeah. trying to go out there and catch uh, a bag and beat those, those folks in a whole day. Like that's intimidating. I can see how somebody who, who hasn't fished a lot of tournaments might have a problem doing that, um, and might be worried about doing that, but anybody, anybody can catch 
one fish in one hour that happens to be the biggest fish in that hour. Uh, for Lake Fork, they all happen to be over 20 inches. Um, but some of the other events, we've had 17-inch fish win $1,000 because it, especially in the middle of the day, you know, when things get a little slow, uh, people were able to win. So, yeah, I think I think that's the secret to the success on this. Everybody's trying to figure out how to get new anglers involved, and, and we sort of figured out a way to do it. Um, I, I don't know if that would translate to them participating in a series. You know, some of these folks are coming out because it is a one-off and they can come out and just have fun and, and do a one-off. And and that's great. I had so many anglers that I talked to at Lake Fork who were like, yeah, this is the first time I've ever fished a tournament. Yeah, I remember the captain speaking it a lot of people. Yeah. That's me. So, yeah. And that's great. I mean, that's awesome that we can get them out there. And I think eventually, as we get new anglers, like we mentioned, the captain speaking, I remember a couple of people saying that, like, hey, this is my first tournament. Why should I be aware yeah. of, you know, and, and that's good. I think it helps out other national trails uh, because it gets people in a tournament and kind of get their feet wet, where it's like you mentioned. I think that's a really underrated part of it. Uh, what he talks to about it is the intimidation of not just having to beat Russ Snyder, Christine Fisher, Guillermo Gonzalez, uh, Mascot, Cody Milton, Drew Gregory for one day, but for two days, because all of those tournaments are two-day tournaments, right? Um, it's it's very, very intimidating. And for the most part, I've learned that you're just donating money for the first maybe couple of seasons while you try to catch up to this great anglers. But this is, like you mentioned, a fun tournament that just one single hook set can get you $1,000. And the other thing that I think it's awesome is that, you know, depending on the attendance, I think it's if it's 125, you give out three kayaks us uh one is the whoever caught them uh the biggest biggest fish of the day biggest yeah. fish of the day the one who caught the most fish of the day and the one and then a raffle so uh, that, that been everybody who caught a fish we did yeah so the falcon 11 went to just anybody that happened to catch a fish it did happen to end up to be one of the folks who had who had one big one of the big bass hours too um so good for him to do that, yeah. but it could have been a lot of people because we had 77 people who caught at least one fish. Yeah, so that, again, props to you for putting this. And the, also the other thing is this is a $125 entry fee. Entry fee. So it's lower than most. Yeah, sure. after price at least. Um, yeah. The other thing that I wanted to mention, and I, and I forgot to mention this on the intro, I do have to apologize to my listeners because last week when I was promoting this tournament for everybody to sign up, I did get confused on the payouts, and I was mentioning the top three bass per hour get paid off. I don't. I I think I got that from the tournament uh, Chris Morales did earlier this year. It was a similar format, so I apologize to my listeners. Um, if anybody signed up based on what I said that the payouts were, I apologize. Thank you. I'll Thank you. Check. I'm into coming and fishing. <laughs> so, but the whole concept, you know, it was spot on. I just got a little sidetracked there with, with the payout. So I do apologize to my listeners for that. Um, before I bring Larry Hill in, I had a question that I wanted to ask you. And because uh, I was just curious about this. So is it whoever caught the the most amount of bass within the limit? Or let's say somebody caught, you know, in their big bass, in, their, in all the limit, caught two 14-inchers and the other one, Second place, I guess, caught one less fish, but that fish ended up 24 inches, and therefore it's one less fish. I'm doing five-year-old yeah, on a, a longer inches in limits. Who we wins? score it. We, you know, there's a couple of questions about scoring that I can go yeah. over, and that's one of them. Um, the no limit, the way that works, is basically just like any other tournament that would have a five-fish bag. It's the combined total of all your fish is your score. So it really doesn't matter how many fish. Uh, I mean, that does matter because yeah. uh, obviously three dinks is going to beat one one big fish any day of the week. But um, but it is that total score. So if somebody caught 20 14s and another person caught 20, uh, if somebody else caught 18 16s, then that person's going to win. Even though they had fewer fish, they're going to win because the total score is going to be higher. Um and so that that's how the no limit works. And then the question we get the most often on the Big Bass Power Hour part of it 
is how do you know in a tie, how do you know which one wins? And that goes to the uh, angler that caught the fish earlier. We track, uh, thanks to Tourney X and, and Dwayne Wally for customizing Tourney X specifically for our format. He, he wrote um, exceptions to the software that would allow us to do this. Uh, it, it tracks, you know, if two people catch a 24-inch fish in the same hour, then we're going to look at it and see what time the photo was taken, and that's the one that's going to win in that in that hour. And we did have a couple of ties. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, and I figured it was something like that based on the time when it's when it's a tie. Another question that I wanted to ask you is, well, two more, and then we'll get to Larry Hill. It's like, with the success that you're having, where do you try to strike that balance between not changing it too much but not letting it become stale? You know, where do you – how do you – do you all meet after the end of the season, all directors, and kind of think, hey, we can improve and how to make sure it doesn't ruin the experience? Yeah, so to speak? that's great. It's a great question. Um, we don't really plan on changing much. We think we've got the format pretty much like we want it to be. Um, we might expand into some more areas, although we're very cautious about doing that and we don't want to try and grow it too fast um, and we don't want to grow it into areas that we don't have coverage because this is run by um, the native watercraft pro staff really mm -hmm. that that's who who we are um, and so we're cautious about that the biggest change I'd say we'll try to do is go after more and more sponsorship which will help us with payouts it'll help yep. us with giving uh, more more money away and more prizes away we had eight fantastic sponsors who supported us this year and supplemented that $1,000 uh, big bass prize per hour with generally about $500 worth of um, credit or, or cash from, from yes. this company. And that was, that's huge. I mean, that goes, then you're, instead of winning 1,000, you're winning 1,500, which is- Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, a lot of them, it's like, yeah, you get the check plus a $500 gift card from that's right. one of the sponsors. That's awesome. And last question, uh, Oh, what is the, what can people expect if you can give us a sneak peek about next season? Maybe not necessarily like anything, any, any news, what do you expect next season? What do you think we can expect uh, as fans of this? We have been trying to schedule a meeting to really hash some of these questions out ourselves. So I don't have a lot of information to give you. I think we can be pretty safe in saying that the, the regions that we have fished have been successful, and there's a good chance that we'll be back in those regions. Um, not necessarily the same bodies of water, uh, but in, in the same area. Um, and then new places, I don't know. We haven't really talked about any new places besides Alabama and Texas, um, but we'll take it under consideration for sure. We wouldn't add more than one or two if we added any. I'm going to make a suggestion, and then if that, actually, you pick that link for whatever other reason under my suggestion, I'll still take credit. But I would love to see this tournament format at Cattle Lake. You know, nobody in, Texas, nobody in Texas gave me any recommendations of where we should go next year. You're the only one. Cattle, that's it. I'm calling it. So I'll take all the credit. now. For I, I have had a lot of recommendations and <laughs> make them all under consideration. But without further ado, let's bring... Uh, the star night, Larry Hill. Larry, congratulations on a great tournament. How do you feel? I feel great, and I have a recommendation. Like there you go. next year. Yeah, you'd like to see it back next at year. work. Well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I I I noticed. Um, I saw a reel on social media with you and Jeff Malad. I'm assuming the KBN podcast. We talk about how that set Lake Fork sets up perfectly. Other than the boat traffic, which we didn't have a lot because of the weather, but because of the slot tournaments, you know, uh, you know, for boats, you know, they, I think their slot is like 17 inches where us catch and release, we don't have to worry about slots. So in that oh, way, it does sit up perfectly. Yeah. So Larry, again, congratulations. Let's talk a little bit about how you got this done. Cause you caught like on a day that. I only caught two measurable fish, and I ended up 33rd of 124, I think. But you- 127, uh, yeah. 127, you got, what was it, il, uh, nine? No, 11 fish. 11. 
how were you able to uh, uh, find, you know, find him and target them? I mean, every time I checked the board from starting around, I think the first time I checked the board was like 10, 20 ish when I caught my third fish. I could not believe that there weren't. I mean, that was two hours in, no, three hours in, and I couldn't believe that there weren't limits over, you know, 120 already. I, I could not believe it because on an average tournament on Fort, by that time of the morning, there's somebody's posted 95, 98 yep. inches. I mean, it's not uncommon to for there to be several guys in the 90s. So uh, I, I knew something was up at that point. I just didn't know if people were, you know, I'm, I'm new to the format. I don't know if people were busy catching and not posting fish. I try not to post too soon, you know, but, you know, if, if I'm at a point where I'm about to pause and and relocate i'll go ahead and load some fish up and that's pretty much what i did i mean i was kind of posting them as i went because i was feeling my way back into an area that i wanted to actually stay for the day and um it was you know you, you kind of mentioned earlier about this format and and how it differs from a five fish format and it took me most of the morning to shape that thought process of my best five <laughs> and it's, it, it's time to call up and and you know i Texted a few people, just got my fifth, just, just got a limit. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's no limit. So I'm still going. And you know, those 15s and 15 and a quarters and 16s really add up. You know, you can catch, you can get on a flurry. That's pretty much what I did. If you look at my, my fish, I mean, I had multiple, I think I had five or six or seven fish that were in 15s you know, that weren't even 16 inch fish. I had one that was a 14 and a quarter. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I hear I try to interrupt. I do hear a crackling noise. I don't know, Marvin or Mar Larry. You are uh, you are like opening a candy or something. If you are, I just hear some crackling or some like paper ruffling. Okay. But sorry about that. No um, so Larry, one one of the things that I think like you touched on it is when you're fishing like a five, uh, you know, five limit tournament. Sometimes you know, especially towards the end, you know, you, if you're not in the running or something, you kind of might kind of packeting or something, but speaking to a lot of the anglers in my area, they were just like me struggling to catch fish. I mean, what I, what I think really makes this tournament fun is like up until the last minute, you can win a thousand dollars. Whereas in other national trails, yeah, maybe you can get the biggest bag at the last limit, but that's still going to be $500. This one is literally a thousand dollars. And maybe who knows if you even get a kayak with it, if it's the biggest bags of the day. It's this. You mentioned that that changes your your mentality. Does it change your approach? Do you at some point think look at the leaderboard? If you did look at the leaderboard and says, you know what, I got it in kind of maybe enough to win overall. I'm gonna change baits and try to go for a bigger fish, or do you just think about catching fish and not worrying whether it's size or quantity? So for me specifically, I didn't change baits, but I did change a little bit of my location. I kind of circled back to an area that I felt like there was going to be a better fish. I don't know why I felt that way. I had missed a few fish earlier in a certain spot and caught a lot of small fish that didn't measure in a, in a certain part of the area that I was in. And, and it absolutely without a doubt is in your mind that last hour. I mean, a little bit of foreshadowing, we can get into it later, but that fish you're showing right there that came with 30 minutes to go. I mean, that was a 245 fish in the last hour. It won a thousand dollars and it, it kind of, and it actually solidified the overall limit for me too. And that happened in the last, you know, I, I thought, um, Gary Morgan was going to stick at 132. That's where I'd seen him at most of the day. And my eyes got the biggest saucers when I heard 149 was announced second place and I'm like, wow, he, he called up 16 or 16 and three quarter inches or something like that, you know? So it, 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 it really affects the way you, you fish, but in a positive way, you know, normally when you're in a five fish tournament, you're kind of, you're out of options, you're running out of fish, you know, your day, you you feel like you've run all your good stuff. And, you know, I mean, how many times that happened to us? It's almost every tournament. I feel like I'm running out of chances and running out of opportunities and I'm watching the clock tick down and I'm getting bummed because I'm just not going to get it done. And something about that day and 
the way the fish were, were, were biting for me all day. I just knew at any moment I was going to connect on a big one. Cause I had 18 and a, and a half was my big one up until that point. And when I saw that mouth come out of the water, I just, that's when you're like, don't lose this fish. Do not come off, do not come off. And I've got a picture that I shared with friends. That fish was hooked so deep on a chatterbait. I've never seen a fish engulf a chatterbait that, that far. I mean, it was so far down there, it was not coming out. And so once I saw that, you know, then you're like, okay, I could have been more relaxed during that whole process, but <laughs> it's a thousand dollars on the line. So yeah. that's, that's huge. Yeah, no, definitely. It's hard to kind of like control the adrenaline when you hook into that big fish. Yeah. And, and I think you shared that picture with me on my Facebook page and it, it was like that thing just completely choked on that bass. And one of the things that in what I was interested in talking a little bit more, Garrett Morgan was like, you know, like throwing it and just reeling it in like a speed demon. You mentioned you were doing it the opposite. You were doing it more it slow. Um, what do you think about doing it more slow got you the results that eventually, you know, got you the biggest bass for that hour and the win? You know, I, I tend to fish a little too fast sometimes, especially with a chatterbait and when there's grass around, you know, you, you think about, you know, where fish are at when they're in that grass, they're usually a little deeper down and they're kind of ambushing stuff that swims by. And so something about that grass, I don't specifically know what it was about that grass on fork that day, but I found that I could really slow that three eighths ounce chatterbait down and and it would come through the grass pretty easily. And I was getting, and I, I was getting bit probably every third to fourth cast. I just wasn't, they were slapping it. They were hitting it. They were missing it. It was one good fish that I, I felt was probably my biggest fish of the day that came off after like five seconds. And I want to say the guy that was in third place, uh, Joe, I think Joe Booth, is that his name? Uh, he actually, I think caught that fish. He uh, kind of circled back to that area cause we were fishing kind of the same area and kind of giving and taking and fishing around each other and cheering each other on. And, and, uh, I think he caught a 20 and a half, uh, in that last two hours or so, maybe hour even. Yeah. Um, and I think that might've been a fish that, that I had lost, but yeah, you know, and, and, and something else that I noticed throughout the day is I think I was the only one throwing a chatterbait back up in there. I couldn't really tell you. Sometimes you try to look and see what people are throwing. And a lot of people were fishing slow and I they were fishing, you know, Texas rigs or, or finesse type, you know, stuff. I don't know, but I think I was the only one casting and winding and casting and winding. And, and I took a break midway in the day, like probably from like noon to one thirty or so and, and threw a wacky Cinco and boy, I was wearing out those eight inches and I, I probably caught 10 fish that were eight inches. And <laughs> every time one would come in, I just couldn't reel it fast enough to get it off there and throw it and go back in. So once I realized that I just wasn't going to do it, I think I caught one fish on a Senko that was 15 ish, 15 and a quarter or something like that. And the other 10 all came on a jackhammer. Well, yeah, we've heard some of the big bass winners that yeah. they were using, um, chatterbait, but I think of the no limit folks you were, you were. Yeah. I know, uh, Gary Morgan was the one burning the jackhammer. Yeah. Um, Matt Prentice, I think, by the way, we we're talking about how one cast can get you, uh, a, a thousand dollars case in point, Matt Prentice, the only, maybe he caught smaller fish that weren't measurable, but the only scorable fish. And it just happened to be the one that got him the biggest bass of the, of the tournament. Not just this out, but the hour, but the tournament of beast, 24 inches out of, for those that are watching on, on YouTube or Facebook, you know, the case in point, one cast thousand dollars, plus he got a kayak, um, and, and also some, you know, like the gift cards that come with it, which I think is something like $500 in gift cards. So it's one cast literally got him like two, depending on the, you know, price tag on that kayak was definitely Close to three, uh, probably more four, than three. Four grand. He got four about four thousand dollars worth. Yeah, he got. About I believe um, he even said that that was his PB. So I don't know if that was a tournament PB or kayak PB. I'm not sure, but that also goes to show you what could happen in one cast. Yep. So it's you know that, and that's I think it's one of the biggest attraction. It's 
again, any other national trail, that would have been $500. This trail, it's a kayak, $1,000, and a $500 gift card, maybe, or something around that, depending on who's the sponsor. But right. it's it's an amazing job, Marvin, that, you, that you've done with it. And I can't give you enough credit. You and the whole team. I know it's not just you, but everybody in Native that's been working through this tournament. Larry, when you compare this to a five, you know, or other national trails, you know, do you like this format more? Is it, I know it, it was getting some used to, how do you compare this, you know, to the traditional five limit tournament? It's definitely a different feeling. Um, you know, even days before when you're planning, thinking at any point, I told plenty of people at any point in the day, you could catch a fish that. Doesn't even have to be the biggest fish of the day, but it could win a thousand dollars. And everybody I told that to was like, wow, that's, I never heard that before. That's incredible. And it's, that's that feeling you start that morning, you know, it's a crappy day. Why would I be fishing? If it wasn't for a tournament, I would not have fished a day like that. I mean, maybe would have given it an hour or two, but you know, you, you, you fish for two hours, you get a, you know, in the rain, you get a break for 15 minutes and it rains again for two hours and then it breaks for 20 minutes and everything was wet. My phone was wet. My glasses were wet. I couldn't oh, hardly yeah. see. It was hard to take pictures. I mean, everybody said the same thing, but the, the, the format itself is incredible. Like it has its place. I hope it doesn't get copied too much because I want this to be special. And I actually want to try to hit, you know, a few others. Gunnersville was, I'd kind of circled it. I've never made a trip that far out of state for fishing or much less anything. And, you know, lakes like that are really, on my bucket list. And, and if it's on the list next year or something like that, I'm thinking hard about making that trip. So, um, I, you know, I, I told plenty of people as soon as it was on the schedule and I saw four, I was circling it. It was free on my schedule. I didn't have any conflicts, had a little bit of an issue with, uh, a little boy that we have that I had to find a babysitter for. And, uh, grandma was happy enough to keep him for two nights so I could go fish and, and I think it paid off. It was, it was a awesome day and I can't say enough about the format. It's just fishing in the middle of it, knowing that you just keep going and keep going. You know, I'm real, real particular about my day, you know, as far as my food intake and my water intake and the snacks that I take on the kayak and forcing myself to take breaks and all that. I, I think I ate two bites of something all day. Cause I didn't want to stop. I like I, fishing yeah. was so good for me. I just didn't want to stop. And when the day was over, I was, that's probably the hungriest I've ever been because <laughs> you just go, go, go. And then when you're done, it's like you breathe that sigh of relief. You know, you felt like you had a good day, a good enough day to win it. And you know, you pedal back to the ramp and eat some food before you, and I didn't even pack my kayak up. I wanted to get to awards as soon as I could. And I was on a, I was not real far away from the, from the, uh, late Fort Marina. Marina, is that where it was at? Um, yeah, right. I was probably 30 minutes from it. So, you know, I, I wanted to pack up. I didn't even do a full pack up. I just put the rods in the truck and hauled ass over there just to make it in time and ended up getting there pretty early. So yeah, overall pretty incredible. Did you, you mentioned you needed a babysitter for babysitter for two days. Did you, where do you live and did you have to drive far to get to Lake Fork? So I live in North Fort Worth. Um, so anything east of Dallas is a little bit of a pain for me to get to, but it's where the best grass fishing is. And, yeah. and you know, this year fork had grass last year. It didn't, it was six foot low last year. Uh, it was two and three quarter foot low. I think before the tournament started, it's actually come up another almost 10 inches since Saturday. Um, or at least in the last 10 days, but yeah, it was, it was a chore getting there. I mean, it was raining when I got out to the truck in the morning, I drove. What should have taken me two hours took two and a half in the rain. Uh, the freeway was shut down twice. Oh, and you saw the, you saw the three truck accident. Yes, it was. Horrible. Oh my God. Yes. Mark, that's, and you know, that's one thing that I actually worried me because I, I, same thing. I live in North Fort Worth and I was like, yeah, two hours is enough. Uh, I mean, it's, that's why I usually do a cutoff where I'm like, I'm not going to spend Airbnb two hours is, you know, it's okay. I do it all the time to go to Lake Fort. And I saw the, the, the worst one was, uh, I think it was three semis collided yeah. and it, and it was right. If you're coming east, if you're coming east to west eastbound, it was right before 
you cross Lake Hubbard. So the traffic couldn't go anywhere. The traffic was for miles. Yeah. On a Saturday at 4 a.m. Yeah. Traffic was like, what do you see? I mean, it it was bad. I pray to God everybody made it out. But that I've never seen. I think the whole cabin of one of the trucks was I on the that. floor. And yeah. you only see the motor. It was bad. It was, yeah. it was, I was at one point driving. I was like, God, am I even going to make it a life here? It was, driving was horrible. Yeah, and, you know, something like that happened to me last year for a fork event of all places, but it was, we were on the unfortunate side of it. It was it was westbound, and it was actually on the lake bridge uh, where we were stopped, and four in the morning I'm sitting in, I'm sitting literally on the bridge going nowhere, thinking I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make launch time, and, and we ended up, it finally released, and they finally let us use one lane to get by, and I think I got to the ramp about five minutes before launch and, you know, I, I launched a little late, but that's fine. I got to my spot before actual lines in, but yeah, it was, it was a chore to get there Saturday morning. It was driving in the rain and, you know, highway speeds and pulling a trailer and you just slow it down a little bit and, and, um, find your way, pick your way through the traffic. And, you know, I, I got there, you know, I'd like to get there hour and a half to two hours early. I'm a little strange that way. I like to get there super early and get to the ramp first and get my stuff unloaded and take my time. And I got there right at 545 and the ramp was pretty much full. Um, it was a small ramp, a small area, and it probably, I think there was probably a dozen or so of us that launched there. Um, so it, it, it definitely made the morning interesting, but you know, it was raining. People were kind of slow to get going. They weren't too worried about getting out there too fast. It's a stumpy lake. You didn't want to yeah. go anywhere in the dark unless you know exactly where you're going. So, especially because it's still low. It's not as low as it was last year, but it was, I going to my spot, um, that I fished on other tournaments before I was like, I thought I was further away from the stumps and I wasn't, I was, I was like, you know what? I am, I am pedaling anymore. The next 15 minutes until lines in, I'm just going to stay on this spot. Wait till the sun comes out. And then figure out how I'm going to get to my spot. But I'm going to just cast you when lines in starts. Because it was bad. I mean, and again, it wasn't as slow. Um, so there was all the, you know, the spots where you think. I didn't, well, I did Fish Lake Fork last year. But I thought it was going to be higher than it was, especially with all the rain. But it was still like, yeah, no, it, I got stuck a couple of times on top of uh, of those uh, uh, tree stumps. But I'm and Marvin, do you know if anybody had to cancel anything because, or hopefully nobody had, you know, got into any accidents or mishaps on the way? Not for that reason. There were there well, were only I think a couple of no shows that uh, that just couldn't make it for whatever reason. Um, we did have a few people that got off the water early because of the conditions, you know, they and they weren't doing that great, so they just they just got off the water. But, and we had a, quite a few people start late because of the yeah. rain was so bad at launch time. I had, we had people launching at like nine 30, um, that didn't check in until nine 30 and get on the water. So, you know, they missed out on the first yeah, hour, morning or night. hour and a half of, uh, of potentially catching, catching big bass. But yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really tricky in the morning and especially because even with, um, sunlight it was you know even when the sun came out you still couldn't see anything yeah it was all the clouds <laughs> and that's the other thing and larry you and i experienced this driving to lake fork it's not like okay well we the storm was going the same direction we were going yeah. so it's like we had the whole storm the whole two hours of driving or so it was like we're not outrunning the storm at this speed nor do i want to so it's like and eventually you get there that's Probably the wettest I've ever been on a tournament. Larry, what about you? Have you oh, ever it, had I, a downpour like I don't remember fishing that wet. Like, I, I, you know, like we talked earlier, it makes me want to invest in really good rain gear because yeah. my budget rain gear just did not do the trick Saturday. There were, I mean, I would say when I even launched, like when I launched, I was wet. My arms yeah. were wet where water had, you know, gotten into my sleeves and gotten my arms wet. And, you know, it was... There was not a dry part of my body when we were done that day. And it's, you know, luckily it wasn't cold. You know, it was high 60s, low 70s. You know, it, now 24 hours later, it was 45 degrees. So 
that that would have been uncomfortable. We lucked out. Exactly. Yeah, so. yeah we got fortunate uh, with that, but and fortunate that everybody made it made it safely. They, they all everybody got home safely. Um, by the way, again, for those that are watching on the live show, if you have any questions for Larry or for Marvin, feel free to put it on the comment section. We'll do our best to get those answered. Larry, um, with the biggest fish that you caught, um, you mentioned you were using a jackhammer. Do you care to say like what color, what type of trailer you were using, or you want to keep that a secret? I, I no, I don't think it's a secret anymore. It's tried and true, black and blue. Is that what they yeah. say? Uh, it's it's been my go-to for a couple of years now, for probably two straight years. Um, I always have uh, either black and blue or a bruised green pumpkin or something dark like that. And uh, it, it can be a black and blue trailer. It can be a green pumpkin trailer. I always run a 3 8 ounce jackhammer. And my trailer that I go to if I want it to go fast and not have much uh, drag in the water, I'll go with the Razor Shad. Uh, and if I want something that has a little more kick to kind of slow it down, I'll go with a, um, Z-Man goat on, on there. So, um, those are my two go-tos as far as trailers, but you know, I, I took nine rods. Actually, I took 10. I, I, I have nine rod holders, but I went ahead and took my 10th rod just to have an extra one. So I went through everything, you know, we heard in the people saying that they caught him on a buzz bait and some guys caught him on a jig and some caught him on Texas rig and jackhammer. And I went through it all. I mean, I, I, you know, I started with a jackhammer and then I threw a buzz bait. I had a spinner bait. I had a mini max, which is a smaller version of a chatter bait. I had a Texas rig worm. I had a frog. I w had a punching setup. I had a wacky Senko. And, um, I think my last rod was a, um, shaky head and I fished everything at least once. I thought it was going to be a, uh, square bill kind of day. That was another rod that I had, but yeah. I didn't get anything on a square bill. I know there were guys that, um, uh, that kind of specialize in that and that's what they fished all day and they caught fish all day on that. So mine was a jackhammer. It just happened to be the right situation. Once I found the grass flat that I had, you know, marked on my phone, uh, two days before, once I got back there, it was almost 11 o'clock once I got back there and I was wishing, man, if I would have had two or three more hours back here, I easily could have broken 200. Like it, I mean, I was only 20 inches from that and two or three fish, you know, you're at 210, 215 and I'm kind of kicking myself for dragging ass and taking so long to get back into the back, but <laughs> I mean, it worked out and I have nothing to complain. Didn't possibly dying though. Yeah, <laughs> Thankfully. Exactly. Did, um, you mentioned, uh, you marked it on your phone. Was that just you going on like Google maps and searching or you actually went pre-fished it and that's how you marked so, it? I've said before, and a lot of people that know me know this about me. I'm an aerial freak. Like I love Google earth and I love yeah. going back in time. So, you yes. know, if you check a lake level and it's three foot low, go back to a year you do your research and find when the lake was three foot low or three foot you know, check whatever looks like it was that low and go back. And that's, what's great about the, you know, pro version of Google earth. You yeah. can go back and pick a date. And that's what I did for Fork. I went back and looked, um, through the history and found what I thought. And then I, you know, I talked to some people, had some Intel, if you will, on, you know, how the grass was doing. And they were saying there's lots of grass and there was, I mean, I found, you know, I marked it. I back in, so February of last year, I fished this same area. Uh, in the, the BASS, you know, two day event that was there, you know, we had 39 degree water temp day one yeah. and about 42 day two, I caught a 23 and two 23 and a quarters in, in that area, uh, in those two days. And so that's where I started and just going on history, having no reason not to hoping that there would be something different, something shallow, something grassy and started there, caught my 14 and a quarter in that exact spot. Um. And I just felt like it just wasn't there. It just, I wasn't getting the bites. I wasn't getting hits. I wasn't getting follows or anything. And so I just kept pushing my way back up the Creek and, and got far enough back in there where my drop pin was. And as soon as I got there, um, I caught an 18 and a half and then a 15. And then I just set up camp back there and fished around three or four. I think at one point we had five guys back there, 
um, in an area that was probably, man, I don't, it was probably maybe five or six, maybe eight acres, something, you know, a back of a cove, grass flat, three to four foot of water with a, you know, six or seven foot channel through the middle of it. And we kind of just all, you know, danced around each other and shared the space and cheered each other on and, and guys left and kind of, you know, split and went to go fish something else or fish a little further out. And, and, you know, you kind of move into their area. If you're fishing different than them, I was catching fish behind people that were saying they were having a bad day and I just can't really explain it. I wasn't doing anything special besides ripping grass. It's a pretty common thing if you like to grass fish and, you know, there's some technique to it. And I'm, I'm sure that some guys are better at it than others. And it's just something I like to do. Uh, it's kind of my, that's my favorite way to fish. Yeah, it's something about ripping through grass on Lake Fork, especially on the black and blue. And I kick myself for not throwing that black and blue. I got fool's gold with the with the shad, silver shad uh, jackhammer, um, but then didn't catch much after that. There was so much bait back there. There was so much uh, shad activity. They were everywhere. There were fish chasing all around us. Uh, there were schools of fish that would come up and chase shad in like three to four foot of water. And you would think a shad color would work. I yeah. had horrible luck with shad colors. I don't know why I yeah. can't catch a fish on a shad color chatterbait, but it just has never worked for me. And so you're in the middle of shad, you're, 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 you're fishing shallow areas where the shad have pushed up and you know, it's what they do when it gets the fall, fall time of the year. And you would think a shad color would be it, but I still throw black and blue and it's, I don't know. Yeah. I think my opinion is, is they, they don't really see it very well they don't know what just went by but they know that it had a shake that they like and a uh you know especially when it rips through the grass and it triggers that that you know feeding response or just that i don't know what it is but it it just works yeah it's interesting because there's always two school of thought throw something different match the hatch and you know which one do you do to me it's always been like when there's way too much bait fish why would they go after your jackhammer? Because they're trying to get the schools, you know, why would they get that shad imitation, I should say, not just jackhammer. Like if they're, you know, it it kind of makes sense. It doesn't at the same time to go with something different, but it does because it's, you know, if you're throwing something that matches the hat and there's the population of the bait fish is so great, chances are they're just going to stick with the bait fish. Well, if you throw something different, maybe that'll entice, I don't know, like, you know, we all try to figure out how the bass think, and we always, at some point or another, get proven, <laughs> proven to be a fool trying to think like a fish. But it's it's interesting, right? I think one of the things that I think made, and you know, talk going back to what Gary uh, Morgan did, if you throw a Chad color, I think you have to burn it. Yeah, I think that's the difference because if if a Chad or any bait fish sees a bass, it's gonna beeline it to cover. And I, I think a lot of, it's kind of like understanding if your bait fish looks like, a, if your lure looks like a bait fish, what is a bait fish going to see what to do when it sees a predator? It's going to swim as fast as it can and that figures the bite. If you have something like a black and blue, maybe it's something like a, uh, that imitates maybe a crawfish, especially at this time of the season where they're not that red um, hue color, then you know, a, a crawfish doesn't swim fast. It just swims a little bit slower. Obviously, it's crawfish. But I think that that may be a difference. But again, I'm no expert. And I will have to interview your bass at some point in the podcast and ask them what, what is it about the speed. You know, it's interesting how you both were so successful, you and speaking of Gar Morgan, while throwing at, you know, one was slowing it down and one was speeding it up. And I'm wondering now what Gar Morgan, what color was. And, it? you know, Along with that, I don't know if it mattered or not. Looking back, it might have, but I actually fished my jackhammer Saturday a little different than I usually do. You know, you, you, you hear people tell you, don't just reel it. Like, don't just reel it. You've got to give it some action. You got to impart some action on it. You got to stop. You got to give it a few pops and then reel and then stop. And then, and I was doing that. I I made sure to do that all day because, you know, hearing what you said, you know, crawfish it's you know it doesn't have to imitate a fish it can imitate a crawfish too and this time of year the crawfish are pushing up shallow they're getting up in the grass i mean that's what they do too and giving it that act that 
extra added action and, and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and then going fast yeah. and then slowing down and then stopping and starting and ripping through grass. It, I mean, just saying it makes you want to go back to fork tomorrow and do it. <laughs> that again. might be what I'm going to do. That is, that is my favorite way to fish. 100%. Marvin, what are your thoughts on, you know, how the tournament talking to other anglers, what do you thought was, if, if anything, talking to other anglers stood out as like, what was people most catching them on it sounded like it was the jackhammer was more the one that was catching it there were a few, a few sinkos yeah but there were a lot of buzz bait people too yeah. what i took away from it is there wasn't any one answer that any number of these things could have worked for people and you know in terms of the numbers people were catching too i thought it was really interesting a lot of the big bass winners only had one, two fish all day, yeah. but they were good fish. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I think the human touch, like you're talking about, Larry, the way you work the bait sometimes can make all the difference in the world. You can have two people throw in exactly the same bait and it'll work for one and not for the other. And, and what other tournament or tournament format can you fish eight hours and catch one fish, so and win and take home. <laughs> just right. I mean, anybody who can, you can catch the yeah. biggest bass of the yeah. day, and you there, might. There's not a lot of tournaments that we fish on a regular basis that you can catch one fish and win a thousand dollars. I mean, it just yeah, it doesn't happen, you know. Yeah, and you know something that I'd like to add, you know, before Marvin uh, thinks too hard about the schedule next season, is fork a little early in the year. Yeah, could even be better. Um, because this time of year is really hard on fork. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but the weekend before was the, um, Berkeley big bass. I, uh, I think that's three days, uh, 1100 anglers, four to 500 boats. Yeah. The lake gets pressured. And I want to say even a month or so, maybe two months earlier was, um, I think that was Sealy or one of the other ones There were. You know, there's there's three big bass tournaments that are multiple days with you know a thousand anglers, you know from June to October, and the lake gets hammered, and so I don't know if that has any impact on on the fish. You know, it's a big lake. You know, there's a lot of places for them to hide and a lot of fish that don't get touched. But I'm sure there's a lot of fish that are, you know, they're not having it. They're not going to do it. So, uh, you know. Maybe if you come back to North Texas and East Texas and come back earlier in the year, I mean, maybe you have a bigger turnout. Maybe you have more people. Oh, yeah. Fish, like, who knows? It's tricky. You know, we, we definitely don't want to conflict with other events if we don't have to. We did have a conflict for this one up in Lake the Ozarks up there. Over. And we probably would have had even more numbers. If yeah. Than hadn't been the people that were in between those two locations um, and chose one or the other. We might have had even higher numbers, so yeah, we're try we try to avoid that, but you know that's that's tough. And I would also maybe suggest for those guys that I don't know catch their big fish in the last hour, maybe double, you know, maybe have a <laughs> double power hour, maybe two thousand dollars for that last hour. I don't know. <laughs> we'll call it a little hill boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more money, the better, right? Yeah, Lake Fork is interesting. Like best time is actually spring, but then every Bass local every basketball tournament, yeah, yeah, that's local that's, basketball tournament knows that as well. Every crappy fisherman knows that as well. It's you know spawning season. You can get the biggest bass, but man, you have to deal with a lot of yeah. boat traffic. I'm you know, I think it was the first. I think it was the second Bassmaster tournament that was on Lake Fork. I went on a Monday to pre-fish. Good lord, they had a tournament on a Monday morning, a boat tournament, and it, the Boat run was full of boats. I'm thinking, it's a Monday. It's not even a holiday. It's not even a long week. And I talked to some anglers. Yeah, we have a, you know, boat anglers that won the water. It's like, yeah, we have a boat tournament. Like, good lord, on a Monday, it's it's, you know, it's it's, it's, it's kind of like pick your poison with with Lake Fork in that aspect, yeah. you know. But competition for the lake, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely a world class fishery. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that suits kayak anglers. So whatever, whatever lake you pick in Texas, honestly, Marvin, it's it's awesome. <laughs> but it, it's really a great tournament. And uh, before I let you guys go, and and again, thank you so much for your time, Marvin. Um, I wanted to give you uh, 
a few minutes and then we'll go to Larry. But um, I know you've, there's a lot of people that work behind the scenes uh, that are not here on the podcast to make this successful in a lot of companies that sponsor it. So if you want to take a few minutes to thank any individuals or companies, go right ahead. Yeah, absolutely. First, the, the other directors that work with me, I'd like to thank, you know, the, the folks who, who worked with me to come up with this concept. Um, Vinny Ferreri, Will Benini, Chris Cantwell, and Marv Goda. Uh, who would have figured out of five guys, you'd have two Marvins, but <laughs> we did. Um, and then Jason Zoli, who uh, works with Pro Staff, he helped us as well. Uh, and then our eight sponsors for the hourly big bass we had huck performance fishing yak attack bending branches nrs yakima dakota lithium rapala vmc and boggs footwear and i've got a big box of boggs footwear waiting for me when i get home tonight there you go hard to hear that and Larry, what about you? Anybody you want to thank? Uh, sponsors, companies, families? That well, I don't have any sponsors. I'm sponsorless. Um, but I, I would like to thank, first of all, Duke Tran with Mariner Sales. He is incredible for the kayak scene in North Texas and just the kayak scene in general. Um, just he has a commitment to the sport, and I, I don't know where that drive comes from, but he is just nonstop. He eats, breathes, and sleeps it. Um, Mariner sales is one of the absolute best places. And I'm going to say the U S but at least the Southwest or the South to get whatever you need for kayaks. And they'll, they'll do your kayak for you. They'll set it up from like from scratch. If you, if you want him to, but I mean, he's never done me wrong. He's always there if I need something and we'll, we'll do anything he can to get you set up. Right. Uh, other than that, I'd like to thank. My wife, I believe she is watching actually. Um, it's, it's good to have a support system. It's, uh, she would love to be fishing if she could, you know, I've have pictures of her when she was six months pregnant and waist high in the pond, catching fish on the top water. And she absolutely loves the outdoors and everything about it. So she's been supportive from day one for my tournament fishing, uh, especially when I started cashing some checks then she started seeing hey wow this is kind of this is this is going to help us here so <laughs> it's going to help our shoe bunny right <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i've got a pretty good support system at work friends and co-workers that want that you know leaderboard link so they can follow along throughout the day i had guys on saturday texting me and keep keep going keep keep going keep catching keep catching don't quit you know that kind of thing so you know, it's it's really fun when other people are engaged in what you're doing. So, yeah. and then, you know, I would like to thank people like Marvin for their commitment to stuff like this and everything they do behind the scenes to bring these tournaments. Cause it was a blast and I'm already going to pencil in next October for something. And if it moves around, I'll try to my best to make it. And Larry, what else? I mean, you mentioned you fish, I'm sure this is not the first tournament. This is the best you've done in a tournament and what tournaments are you Looking forward next season, fish next season. Well, so just br briefly, I would say this is probably my biggest win as far as, you know, the, the people from, you know, where everybody came from and, you know, some of the states that were represented. I don't know how many states I didn't count. I'm probably five or six. About a half dozen. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and so that's, that, that part makes it kind of special for me. Um, I started kayak fishing in 2021. That was my first full year. And. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, kayak tournament fishing. Uh, I didn't win a tournament in 2021. I won three in 2022. I won two classics, including the North Texas classic. Uh, so that was kind of my, my high point. Uh, this year's been a little more of a struggle. I didn't win a tournament in March, uh, on Lake of the Pines. Uh, so this was a good way to end my season. I mean, this was yep. a really, really rewarding way to go into the off season and think about next year and and i'm really looking forward to get it getting it going again in 24. yeah it looks fixing to be a exciting uh tournament next season when the Bassmaster has two really cattle lake and possum kingdom then we bass nation texas apparently is gonna have its first uh full schedule for kayak bass fishing here in texas so and hopefully we'll have Marvin Forte back and uh, no limit bass power. So it's it's going to be an exciting year next year, and it it keeps growing. And uh, 
And Larry, we wish you the best moving forward. I hope, you know, we get you on the podcast some other time talking about another big win. In a big I, check. I would love that. I would <laughs> absolutely love this to be a regular thing. <laughs> it would be nice, right? Marvin, thank you so much again. Any last words, gentlemen, before I let you guys go? Thanks, Armando. Uh, congrats, Larry. Well done. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the podcast. For those that are watching, um, you know, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Real Life on the Bass Guy Can Be Your Podcast. If you do happen to listen on our MP3 format, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us your five-star review. Leave us a comment in the review section. We'll relay it on the next week's uh, podcast. So, again, thank you for your support. If you're going to be on the water, please wear your PFDs. Have a great night, everyone. Peace out. And then...